Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Jacob Walding on again. What's up, dude? How's it going? What's up, man? Good to see you again. Good to see you again, too. So we're going to be going over water safety today. I mean, you and I were just chatting 30 seconds ago about this, but uh, I just want to get straight into it because you had a super gnarly rescue and we were just talking about it. And I told you not to tell me anymore because I want everybody to be able to hear this. I'm so psyched to hear about this. So uh, before we do that, give us a brief overview on what you do and what we're going to be talking about today. So my name is Jacob Walding. I'm a deputy harbor master at Pillar Point Harbor, which is in San Mateo County. I work at the harbor that is right outside or inside of the Maverick surf break. Uh, most people know where that is nowadays. Um, we do we respond to all the search and rescue in the area uh, on the entire county coast. There is no Coast Guard sector. There's a Coast Guard sector, but there's no Coast Guard station um, with the exception of 22 miles north of our location. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're we are a unique entity. Um, because we work and train uh, with the Coast Guard helos constantly. Um, and there's just nobody, there's not a lot of agencies like us out there in the U.S. Uh, it's very unique. We, uh, we respond to about 110 search and rescue cases or SAR cases, as I may call them later, um, in a year or annually. Uh, so about one every three days. And they range... From, I mean, we have a big commercial fishing fleet. We have a big sport fishing fleet. We have a big recreational fleet. And what we were talking about before this is we obviously, we work in the EMS system. And no matter where you're located, there's an EMS system. And for your listeners, what that normally looks like or what we're talking about when we say EMS system is kind of the way that guys like you and I ultimately get notified that we're going to respond to something. Now, you may be on a beach in a guard tower and you're watching the water in front of you, but just down the beach in between towers or around a corner, you might get notified a different way through a, a radio. And how does that transpire? Um, in our county, a 911 call comes in. That 911 call is routed through CHP. CHP sends it to the county. Depending on the type of call that CHP thinks they have, their dispatcher thinks they have, they will route it to the fire side or to the sheriff's side. So once it's routed there, then you have a, you know, we're in contact. We, we actually work closely with the sheriffs. We carry sheriff's radios. We carry fire radios. Uh, we're always monitoring every frequency. Um, so depending on how any, any particular call comes out, it ultimately comes to us through fire or sheriff's or it could come VHF or a pager because we're county and we still carry pagers in 2022. That's so sick. <laughs> it's just lets you know you're still a uh, you're still a county employee <laughs> or federal government, right? But um, so then it then the chain starts to work. Um, so do you want to jump right into this particular case? And I want to, yeah, I want to hear about it because <clears throat> this is it sounds very interesting to me the way you're explaining it and everybody listening in. I just stopped talking to Jake, Jacob right before this. And I was like, no, we got to start recording because this sounded so gnarly to me because I've been in Mavericks. I've surfed Mavericks. I've paddled out at Pillar Point. Like it gets, it's no joke over there. So 
Let's just get straight into it. Explain to us what happened. You said this happened like a week ago or something. No, this actually happened in 2020. Okay, so 2020. I just Sorry. Received uh, an award for Officer of the Year. Okay. For this, yep. For this so, so that's board. what the Officer of the Year award was for. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sick. So they they basically uh, COVID happened 2020 and everything got shut down. They didn't have an award, and and the guys I guess talked about it at the. Uh, California Boating Safety Officers Association and said, hey, you know, we want to give it to these guys, even though it's a couple of years late for 2022. So that's how that came to pass. Um, and this particular rescue in our area, Mavericks, you know, um, and what differs from a lot of areas is we don't have as many guarded beaches. And so when that comes to water safety and the public going to beaches, everybody wants to be on their own private beach. Yeah. A lot of our beaches are removed from town, removed from any sort of that EMS uh, response, or at least an extended period. So we have what we call uh, pocket beaches or small beaches, cove beaches, as you guys know them down there. And, you know, a lot of times these are steep beaches, a lot of sand. Uh, up here, we take a lot of direct swell and very intense Pacific swells because we don't have anything offshore to break up these swells. So on this day, uh, the conditions, you know, I tend to overlook it all the time, but it's something that you and I do every day. We wake up, we we're tied to the ocean. Yeah. We, it doesn't matter what day it is. I mean, I could ask you, Hey, what's the tide in two days? And you're like, well, it's tide this morning and it's mid morning. It's going to be good. You know, we just kind of know, but for your listeners that don't know, um, what guys like us do or in our line of work is we have to be aware of wind, tide, swell, um, and anything that can contribute to some sort of adversity on a beach. So for this particular day, we had northwest winds, 15 to 25 knots. Uh, where I'm located, we actually have more small craft. That's a small craft advisory. Where I'm located, we actually have more small craft days than we have calm days. So pretty common day for us. Northwest 15 to 25 doesn't really set the alarms off. What does for the reason that I explain this is that day as I'm rolling into work, <clears throat> I know that with that wind is coming a first real uh, Northwest swell or West swell. And so we had 10 to 12 foot at 18 seconds. Wow. That's um, a deep swell too. It's, it's a good one. It's, it's going to make things pop that <laughs> yeah. haven't popped all year. Right. And so we had had a pretty mellow December um, and November and October, sometimes we'll start to see, you know, those first swells for Mavs that make Mavs go in October. This was a late year. Um, every, nothing had really started breaking. So we have people that have gone to the beach on our coast and these little pocket beaches all year long. And it's been pretty mellow, pretty small waves, not a lot of wash up or run up of big waves up the beach. And so this is our first real one that's that's really going to, it's going to throw some energy at us. Um, so it you know, at that 18 second period with four to six foot wind waves, what I'm thinking as a rescuer is, okay, we, my job as a deputy harbor master is we always respond from the water. So we leave the harbor and we drive to the location waterside. Now the EMS crews, whether it's sheriff, fire, CHP, state park rangers, while the rangers will sometimes, the wet rangers or lifeguards, will sometimes come with us. And so we'll fire on our boats. Um, a lot of times they're going to go landside. <clears throat> they're going to clear the beach, 
to the surf line, and then we come in behind the surf line to the beach, and that's the overlap. So for this one, uh, it's 11.30 a.m., and, uh, you know, kind of anxious on these days because, you, you know, there's people on the beach. It's The, cl the skies are clear this day, uh, but we got a lot of wind and decent swell, and, and sure enough, here comes the call. Um, it is called 911. It goes to uh, that day it was passed over to the sheriff's department. The sheriff's department calls us on the radio and says, Hey guys, we have a water rescue at Cal at Cal's beach. And, um, there's a woman in the water. Her mother called it in. She can no longer see her. So, um, for us water saving people, as soon as somebody loses visual of somebody, it's, it, it's dire. Um, so I know we've got big swell in the area. That particular beach is 10 miles, 10 nautical miles south of the harbor. <clears throat> so I am the senior deputy on duty. So it's all left up to, to me to make the call. I send our Radden, uh, which is, you know what a Radden is. It's, we have a Radden craft. It's 30, uh, 33 foot. It's got twin 454s in it. It makes pretty good speed. Um, they are able to launch a lot faster than us on the RWCs just because we have to gather information um, and then suit up and deploy. And we're faster once we're on the water for the most part. So I send one of our uh, solid boat operators uh, with another one of our guys and I say, hey, take a fire crew. They're going to be responding. They're going to be here in about two minutes. Put them on the boat with you and you're going to go get on station. We're going to continue to gather information. We're going to launch as fast as possible on the RWCs. The goal is to get everybody there as fast as possible as a team to, to not necessarily all arrive at the same time, but I know that the Radden's speed is a little bit reduced compared to our jet skis. So the Radden's going to get underway as fast as they can. So they wait for the fire crew, they deploy, we suit up, gather as much information as we can, and we run. Now, it's worth noting, which you may be aware, uh, when you are an RWC, I say RWC, I should uh, quantify that. It's a rescue watercraft. So it's your standard jet ski. It's Yamaha makes them, Kawasaki makes them. J Kawasaki actually has the name jet ski. Uh, that's why we call them RWCs. We run Yamahas now. At that time, we were running Kawasaki jet skis. So we suit up, we go, and our comms are limited at that point because my compact that I wear has a VHF radio in it, two frequencies. So I'm going to run on my Harbor channel, which is 7.4, and my secondary channel is going to be channel 16 or 21 alpha if I am expecting to work with a Coast Guard Hilo. And then my partner will run on channel 7.4, and he will run on 16 or 21, whichever one I didn't run on, so that the two of us can work together as a team, communicate directly to our boat, and our boat can hear all of our traffic on a primary but then I can potentially talk with an oncoming helo or a helo that's just overhead, helicopter, <laughs> sorry. And my partner can talk with uh, sector or, or station Golden Gate or whatever assets are coming down from the north water side. So with all of that said, we get ready, we launch, it's 10 miles, um, and we've got uh, kind of a, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kick our teeth in. We're on you know, a thousand pound machines. The Kawasaki's are about a thousand pounds each, um, but four to six foot wind waves. These are waves on top of the swell. So you have, as you know, and I'm just explaining for the listeners, I'm sure 
Um, you can edit out whatever you guys don't like. Uh, but you have 10 to 12 foot swell with four to six foot wind waves that have been driven by the wind over the surface of the water on top of that swell. So, and then those swells are approximately 18 seconds apart. So every 18 seconds, you have the potential of having an 18 to 20 foot face, right? That you have to navigate. So we're gonna run down the coast. It's a 10 mile run. We're gonna run as fast as we can safely to get on scene while still maintaining about 80% of our effectiveness in the water. So, you know, you, you, when you're a rescuer, you know how it is. You, you have to get on scene and you have to be able to then perform at a high physical level once you're on scene. And so I always, when I'm, when I'm explaining it to people, I say, it's like a video game. You're playing a, a video game and you have a health meter and that health meter is getting beat down. Well, when you know you're going to be running 10 miles um, at speed, your body is going to take a toll regardless of if you know it because of adrenaline or not. So we're going to go as fast as we can, but to get on scene and then be it still 80, 85% of our physique, we want to be able to dedicate to that rescue in the event that we need to. So we run down. It takes us about 12 minutes once we're underway to run that 10 miles, which is extremely fast for, for those conditions. Um, so as I'm, so now as we're rolling up, we're getting a lot of comms through our through our radio sets. We what we've done here is our fire department has started had started carrying VHF radios about 10 years prior. And what that did was allow them, if it's a cliff rescue or beachside rescue, to have direct communications with us on that channel 7-4. So this particular day, one of my longtime friends, who's the chief of our local fire department, Ari DeLay, he gets his boys on scene, shows up in his uh, chief's rig, and he starts calling me right away. Hey, Jacob, it's going to only be uh, an RWC rescue. It's super hairy here. We're looking at 20 foot faces breaking across the whole beach. Um, you know, be ready. I don't have a visual. Okay. So we're still running, running his direction. The Radden gets on scene, which is our vessel and they have to hold outside of the surf line because these aren't rollover boats. These aren't boats that can be capsized and then are going to ride themselves. So while the Raddens can take a lot of surf work and can punch through waves, it is not safe or an acceptable parameter uh, to place that boat into that type of condition. So before the Radden had left, I gave them instruction. I said, hey, you know, the surf's going to be huge down there. There's a reef off the south side of the beach. I know that from my local knowledge. There's a reef on the north side of the beach. And there's kind of a, there's some high pinnacles in between those reefs. And these are about 300 yards off the beach. So be advised, you know, stay offshore, make sure you're in good water and get in between. Basically, what I want you to do is get directly west of whatever engines you can see that are now on the coast there, because we'll ultimately use the vessel to vector in on the patient in the event that they that they see somebody. So while we're underway, the Radden says, hey, we're on station. You know, I come back. All right, we're, our ETA is uh, approximately another five minutes. So they start doing um, what's known as a parallel search behind the surf. They're kind of looking to see if somebody has been pulled out through a rip that will dump well behind the surf a lot of times. And that's where we find a lot of our, uh, our victims. 
So we arrive on scene. We the the boat's kind of moving. This is over a quarter of a mile or so. They're doing a parallel search, so they're basically in line with the fire engines on the beach. And we do what's called a scene survey. We come on scene. We're on station. We basically take a look around. We look at what we're looking at. The backs of big 20-foot waves breaking. And now we have to make a beach entry in those waves. Uh, it sounds crazy. It's to, to guys like you and I, it's really not. Um, we're basically going to wait for a swell to pass. And we're going to we're gonna have a little period of time, minute, two minutes, depending on how, how the swell is that day, where we can actually move in behind a series of waves before the next series of waves comes. So we're, we're on scene. I'm talking with the fire chief. He says, you know, he says, hey, I haven't seen her uh, in a few seconds or in a, in a few minutes. I, I saw her last right in line with us. I say, okay, relay that to the boat. Talk to my partner verbally. Say, okay, we're going to run in. You need to stay, you know, to my south, uh, about 25, 30 feet. I'll hop in front of this next swell. You come on the wave behind. So we're on two different waves. Basically, I'm in front of one. He's behind it. And we're going to go in and do, a, do our first pass through. We're going to go into the surf line right on the beach. And normally that's where we will then start working the case. We can hold water in there. Uh, there's breaking waves or there's waves that have broke but are now whitewashed that are moving to the beach. And we can navigate those very easily with the, with the jet skis or the RWCs. So, okay, plans in place. And at that time, the fire chief, my, my longtime colleague, Ari, says, hey, I've got eyes on her. I can see her. And we had just waited for, we were waiting for a swell, a, a series of waves to pass. He goes, she's on the surface, but... All I can see is her head. She looks like a like a ball of kelp. And I say, okay, so it's go time. So now we're not. We can't wait for all of these waves to pass because I'm not sure how long she's already at this point. She's been in the water for about 30 minutes. Um, she's been getting pounded, pulled in a rip out to the surf, pounded back to the beach, and pulled back out. She's basically in a in a circular motion, just not able to to do anything. Um, so it's go time and, and we go. As I take off, I, I head toward the beach. Uh, my partner, we had just talked, so he loops back on the back of the wave that's, that we're kind of in between. He kicks off on the shoulder and comes through, and I start to make my progression to the beach. So as I'm running, uh, the reef in front of me actually sucks up dry. I can see rocks in front of me. Um, it's one of those kind of moments where you're like, oh, wow, all right. Um, if we're going to hit rock, we got to hit it really fast and hard so that it carries us across because while our machine's going to take a lot of damage, we, we have a job to do. And I have to get through this rock pass. And I can see brown water where there's rock, not brown water, but I can actually see the, the kelp on the rocks and there's a little channel between them. And so I, uh, I drop the hammer, shoot through there, try to hold speed in case I do bottom out. And I make it through. Um, as I make it through, you know, time seems to slow down. And we're at that point, we're just relying on our training. We're, we're no longer, I mean, yes, we're in control of what we're doing. Uh, we're always in control. But our, we are relying on that training to do what we need to do to get the job done. And so I get through 
And I think to myself, the only thought I can really remember is, wow, I can't believe I just went through that and didn't hit the bottom of the machine. Um, yeah. It, and right about the time I get through it, I'm thinking, man, I, I hope my partner is able to, because he's on the backside of a wave and it hasn't sucked up, he's going to probably come right through it. No problem. Probably not even see the rocks. So I go through and about the time I get through it, my mic kicks off on my ear and it's Ari on the, on the VHF. And he goes, she's about 150 yards in front of you. Just keep going. You're going right at her. And I can't see anything. I can't respond on my mic. And he starts giving me a countdown. He goes, you know, he goes 125 feet, 100 feet, 75 feet, you know, um, 50 feet. And at about 50 feet, I, I kind of glance up a little further and I see what looks like a ball of kelp or, or just a, a kind of a head floating at the surface. The head is not up. I cannot see her face. All I can see is her head. There's no hands. She's not waving her hands or anything. I'm going about 25 miles an hour or so, 30 miles an hour, which is a pretty common speed to stay between swells, um, depending on where you're at and intensity. Um, and so as I'm looking at her in the water, I now see her and you know that feeling. We've, we've been in this business for a long time. Uh, that When you're to that point in, in a survival situation, there's nothing she's doing at this point to save herself. She has no energy. She's face down. I don't even know if she's conscious. All I know is she's still at the surface, which if she goes subsurface, it's it becomes the it, it moves a lot of times to a recovery um, as opposed to a rescue. So I'm, I'm moving up and that stuff cycling through my mind. And I, I'm honestly surprised that she's still at the surface. I mean, I know that there's 30 minutes that have passed. And so I'm approaching pretty fast and she starts I start to lose visual. She starts to slightly slip under the surface and I glance back over my shoulder and I've got a, a 20 foot wave that's rolling in right behind me. And I'm like, man, I don't have any type of time to do any of the traditional grabs on the RWCs that we would do. I don't, she, she's not going to raise a hand to me. If I grab, if I grab a handful of hair, I'm, it's gruesome, but it's probably going to be pulled from her scalp. Um, if, if I get a, if I can even get a good enough hold to, 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 pull her. And, and at that point, I'm going to be slowed down. That whitewash is going to take me and basically capsize my vessel. And then that goes from being an asset to a liability uh, because it's in close proximity to me. It weighs a thousand pounds. Um, so <laughs> I did something that was very, uh, we don't ever train. Um, but in my mind, I was like, okay, I've got 15 pounds of flotation on in my life jacket. I've got a fin belt on and I, as I'm coming up in a split second, I decide that I'm going to do what would basically be kind of a cartwheel motion onto her in the water as my ski ghost rides past her. So I'm basically going to come up at speed, my body. So she's on my port side or my left side of my machine. Her body is, I can see her head. So it's facing to the ocean. So I know that her legs are kind of tailing off toward the beach. So as I'm riding up to her, I put my right foot on the top of my seat and I maintain my speed. And when I get just before her, I jump into the air. I flip myself into a head down position and I want to land and try to punch into the water so that I can get under her arms or grab her as tight as I can, because I know that I'm only going to have two or three seconds before I'm hit by the oncoming whitewash. So I have 
you know, these are fractions of seconds. So it's funny that you think that you can make these types of, uh, or you have these types of thought process processes in the moment, but your body is pretty adapt to doing this Absolutely, type of stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it, it comes back to that lizard brain, that, that fight flight or, you know, basically response. And so in the split second that I have all those thoughts, next thing I know I'm in the water and my chest has hit her back. And so I'm wrapping her up and I'm kind of just, I'm kind of surprised. I'm surprised that it worked as, as well as it did. And I'm on top of her now. I'm like, so I grab her, I've got her under one under my right arm. So I've got my left arm under her left arm. My right arm is over her right shoulder and I kind of lock it in, in this kind of a position here. So it's like kind of a body lock. I come up here, I roll her back on top of me. I take my legs and I figure four them around her belly. So I take my left leg goes around her around from behind and kind of in front. And then I lock that with my right leg. I push my right leg behind her knee. And that's uh, basically it's a <laughs> jujitsu movement that I've utilized in other rescues when I have to hang on to somebody that has no, they're not able to even be stiff. Yeah. They're so just not there. Know, yeah. yeah. You know, you're getting ready to get pretty well pounded. Um, and so, and I've got a lot of flotation on, so there's going to be a lot of pulling force on me, pulling me from her. Yeah. So I, uh, I flip her over, I do that lock. And what I do with that, that under the arm, it comes up, it locks across my elbow like so. And then this hand is free and I just cover her mouth. I lean her back and we basically get hit by whitewash. Um, the breaking impact part of where the waves were actually cresting and breaking was about 50 feet further to the west or further to sea. So I wasn't having to take the direct impact of these waves on the head. It was still a pretty violent yeah. pounding. But as you know, it's a whitewash moving across the surface as opposed to that drilling down type of. So I roll her back. We're underwater for a few seconds. And at that point, I'm, I'm glad I have the, the flotation. We, we're wearing vests that where they have 15 pounds. A lot of times that's a negative. In this particular instance, I'm, I'm pumped because I don't have to do anything except hang on to yeah. her and just wait. You know, is it 15, 20 seconds? I don't know how long I'll be down, but I'm going to come back to the surface. All I've got to do is hold on to her. So we pop up, and as I come up, I orientate myself to the west because I know my partner is on the backside of that wave. And I'm going to either have to, you know, depending on where he held on his entry into the surf, you know, I don't want to get struck as he's coming in. Um, to his credit, uh, Robert Dunn, awesome guy, worked with him for a long time, savage uh, operator. He did exactly what the plan was. He stayed just to the south of me. So as he's coming in on that wave on the backside, I pop up and I look and he's just to the south. And I remember seeing his eyes and they looked like saucers because, you know, in his mind, you never expect to have your, I mean, we, we talk about it. Hey, you know, we've always got to hold this parallel because somebody, something could happen and you could pop out of the back of the wave and you don't want to run your partner over. But in the moment, you know, you, all of a sudden he sees my my yellow helmet pop up and I've got a victim in my arms and he's like, oh my God, where's his machine? Like, you know, he doesn't know he's on the back of the, the other wave and there's all he sees is the cliffs, the tops of the cliffs. Um, so he swings around 
comes up to me and he runs right past me, but we've got to take the rest of that set before we can load the patient. So he comes running by me, he runs off to the shoulder. You know, we take another one on the head. I, as, as I lean her back and I know we're going to take another one, I can see that she's there. The lights are still on, but she's not there. She's, her skin is gray. Um, she's fought to the end and there she's doing, she's going to be zero help. And sometimes that's easier, honestly, as a, as a rescuer at that point, because now it's just, just grabbing a body. Uh, yeah. I'm grabbing a body. I try not to, I'm not trying. Yeah, crude, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm basically, I, I know what I have to work with and I don't have to fight anybody or deal with somebody freaking out. So I lean her back and I'm like, listen, my name's Jacob Walding. I am here to save you. You're going to be fine. And I say, hey, I'm going to have to cover your mouth again. We're going to get hit by another wave, but you're going to live. I cover her mouth. She doesn't even turn her head. She can't move. She's literally done. And, you know, and then you're like, well, is she C-spined? And all that stuff starts to go through your head. Um, so we take another wave on the head and we come back up. And, and that one's not as bad, but it's another eight, nine seconds kind of underwater on near the surface. So we're kind of getting rolled, but pushed in at the same time, which is always a great thing for uh, water Absolutely. rescue guys. We, we want to get closer yeah. to the beach. Easier to drive a ski, easier to drive, <laughs> grab a victim. And it, maybe it'll push you in all the way. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, we, we pop up and my partner, I know he's coming back. I don't have a visual on him yet. I've got you know, I've got a full helmet on with my flotation, yeah. with my arms. So I'm limited in my uh, ability to turn my head. And, you know, I feel him come up behind me and he grabs my life jacket on the back of my neck and he just starts to swing me to the Perfect. board behind him. So, he, yeah, he comes up, he swings me to the board. That puts my left shoulder to his left side of his machine or the port side of his machine by the board. So in there, we're in the impact zone. I'm trying to load her, but she's, you know, I've had to unlock the body lock at this point. I'm trying to get her up the board and you've worked with uh, chest skis quite a bit, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we have techniques that we use. You put your knee on the back corner of the board, you depress it so that it, it squats down or it's pushed down into the water. And then you slide your patient up and you kind of under both arms onto the handles, knee in between the legs. And then you can get out of get out of town and you can ride fairly safely there at, at pretty good rate of speed. Well, because my left shoulder hits, I can't let her go. And I'm, I've kind of grabbed like a mid handle on the rescue board. So I'm fighting to get her up there and I can't get it depressed. I can't get my knee on it because of the angle because I'm kind of side to the to the board. So I'm like I'm fighting and, and my partner's talking to me. He's like, um, I got to go. You know, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm not there yet. And he's like, he's like, all right, a few more seconds. And I'm trying to load her up. And he goes like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And so I said, all right, go. And I just tried to hang on with my left arm as long as I could. Um, and, you know, we're basically rolled back onto my back. I've got her now. My right arm is under her right arm. And I'm up on kind of her collar here, just kind of holding like with a clamshell. And we're getting drugged and I get stretched out. And at some point I'm like, I'm going to damage my left arm beyond just, oh, a pulled muscle. Like, you know, yeah, you it's know that too much. Go ahead. Well, and you know, your body. I mean, that's what we're paid to do. There's there's limits and you have to mitigate adrenaline and you know that you're operating already beyond the spectrum. 
that your body can probably take because regardless of how much you can mitigate that adrenaline, it's there. So you have to make mindful choices to, to ultimately not damage yourself to a point where your career is ended because of this. So I hang on as long as I can. I know that my shoulder's under extreme stress and I let go. I lock her back up in the body lock and that same hold that I was using before. And I said, Hey, we're going to have to take another one on the head. And she's still, you know, there's no talking or anything. I just, I talk to my victims. It's a way of keeping myself calm. And, and if they do come back or they do get that last little bit of fight, at least they understand that I'm, I'm there to help them. So we take another one. This one's not nearly as bad because now we've been drugged as far as I could hold on more to the shoulder. Um, and my partner comes back around after we pop back up and I said, Hey man, let, let's just load her, let's side saddle her and get her to the beach. So he's like, all right. So he pulls up and I, we be, he basically grabs her arms. I put my hand in her butt. I throw her up over the seat. Her belly goes across the seat. She goes face down. He puts his knee in her back. I climb on the board. We loop around another wave, pop on the back of one. And just all the way at that in. point, we're like, that's it. Now we've got to make entry onto a beach. And the beach has 35 to 40 for percent grade in sand, which is just deadly for beach goers. I mean, you, you just can't get out. I mean, guys like us, it's, I mean, you, you claw up the beach when you run, you, a lot of times one hand goes down, you're, you know, if you can't ride it up. And so for people that aren't super savvy with the ocean, it, it's just a deadly environment. Um, so we ride our machine up as high as we can. And then now that the, we're not above where the waves are washing up, we've kind of, we've hit, fairly high, but about midway up that wash up. So I'm like, now that now it's scramble time because we've got to get her off the machine. We've got to get away from the machine. We've, you know, if that thing tumbles, it's going to, it yeah, can break absolutely. legs and it, Hurt you. it's just no longer an asset once it touches sand. So, you know, he, here's where you dig deep. We grab her and he grabs the arms and starts dragging and you're just, you know, you're just trucking up the beach as best you can. You got, you know, I had my, both her legs under one arm, he's got her hands and we're both down on our, basically on three posts, you know, we're driving with our feet and just claw on sand and we get her up the beach. And basically at that point, fire has come down and they're on the beach waiting for wow. us. So we get her just above where the, the tide line is and we pass her off. And effectively at that point, the rescue's over for, for our, our point or our part. Did she um, end up living? She ended up living. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty amazing. I, as wow. she left the beach, you know, we, a lot of times we don't even hear or, or we hear the outcome from the hospital, you know, Oh, that patient didn't make it or that patient did. Um, and as rescuers, we can't, I don't know about you, but I, I try not to always hear any Absolutely. details beyond yeah. what, what you don't I want did to because yeah. You don't yeah. want to. And as you get longer in the tooth and you get more, uh, more of that color there, <laughs> Gray. you want to be able to maintain your, you don't want to end up with, with you want to end up with as little uh, PTSD as possible Absolutely. at the end of your career. Um, we all have nightmares. I, I know you do. I don't even have to ask. It's just part of the job. Um, and, and they come, you know, and, and you're just hoping that they only come every three months or every Not six even months that, but yeah. <laughs> and, and that you can continue to manage. Um, so she lived, I didn't know at that point in time when we did the rescue, um, that her entire family was looking on. Um, I knew that her mother had called it in 
I didn't realize that her mother and father were on the beach, as well as her husband and her two kids. Jeez, man. Um, we didn't know why she went into the water until after the fact to save her dog. Um, and this is worth noting to any of the viewers that have made it this far in the podcast. If you're not familiar with, with beaches and your dog goes into the water, do not go in after your animals. They will 99% of the time self-rescue. And even if you get to them in the water, they're going to claw you up and you're not going to be able to do anything to really help them effectively. Um, so I think the big takeaway, you know, I have kids. Um, so for me, I don't, I don't like hearing that she had kids on the beach watching. And I, I remember thinking like the struggle internally that her husband must have been going Unreal, through yeah. um, and, and how I would have handled that and how he had to handle that. Um, he has his kids. He's trying to keep them back. He's trying to be positive. Um, it was just, I mean, really, he was like the father of the year, you know, trying to insulate his kids, get them away from the surf, get them up the bluff so that they don't have to watch whatever happens. Um, and my hat goes off to that guy as a father, just really well played on his behalf. I mean, it, it, just the emotion that he must have been going through uh, was Nuts. pretty treacherous and, and unbelievable. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good one. And it's funny too, because those rescues are very far in between. Like those, you know, that that's a, that's like a career rescue right there. I mean, that's pretty gnarly. That whole story is gnarly. 15 foot surf plus, you know, Mavericks area is no joke too. There's so much swell, long period swells. That's a deep ground swell on top of wind swell. That whole circumstance is just unreal. And what you did to go through that is insane. And congratulations on your award. You definitely deserve it. That's insane. Yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate it. You know, awards are, we joke about it and we call Absolutely. it wood. But you deserve it. Yeah, we call it wood Wood on the wall up here. It's another piece of wood. Um, but it is, you know, I'm mindful to say that, you know, I had this, I had a great rescue, but it wasn't done without the team. Yeah, no, it, it takes a whole team, right? Exactly. You know, and I, I was just a piece of the EMS system and that EMS system is everywhere. You're a part of it. And down there you have the same guys and without any part of that team, without the boat being offshore, holding position close to the surf, without the fire and sheriffs on the bluff, without the fire being able to talk to me in my comms and radio me directly in on top of or without the state park guards responding and, and knowing the water in their local area and saying, hey, we definitely don't see anybody in the surf. And, and everybody working together saved a family's life. And, you know, we sometimes the public, I think, looks at us when we respond to calls and, oh, look at those guys, you know, must must be a great job. There's 10 of them to do everything. And they don't really understand that these, the reason that everybody these, has a job. Yeah. And the reason that, that these EMS systems are in place is because they're effective. We train constantly with other agencies. We, everybody knows their job. Everybody's a professional. We do our jobs to the best, the best ability we can to serve that community. And uh, it's really a testament to what the EMS system has become in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, not that it wasn't great before. It's just getting better. But yeah, and you've seen a lot of the barriers brought down. It, it used to, when I started the career, it was like, oh, those are the fire guys. Oh, those are the SO guys. We didn't talk as much. Now we're all, we're Everybody all works brothers and sisters. Everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a surf rescue person, 
we can sit down and we can hang out and chat, you know, if we want to, most of the time we don't want to talk about work, but, but we can talk and, and have these similar conversations. And I'm just, I'm proud to be, uh, I'm proud to be involved in search and rescue. I'm, I, I love my career and I'm proud to serve with all the heroes and, and everybody out there that's involved in this type of work is a hero. And you might not get an award for it, but we all do it for the reason, you know, is just to help our community and do the best we can here at home to keep people safe. Absolutely, Dude, that story is insane. And I, I seriously, I appreciate you just even coming on here and sharing that. And it's funny because I was going through these questions and you literally answered every single question on here. I was kind of reading through like the questions that I have for you and stuff. And I'm just like, dude, you literally have everything. But um, yeah, man, congrats on that award. Seriously, you deserve it. And the whole team deserves that award, like you said, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And that's where mine will hang. It'll it'll hang on the wall with the boys. It doesn't mean my name's on it, but um, my partner, Robert Dunn, got the award as well. Um, but I mean, honestly, they could have given it to everybody Everyone. on the beach that day or mm -hmm. any day. I mean, we're all there to save lives. And as a side note, I would say to any of the viewers that are that again have made it this far in the podcast, um, it's very tempting to go to beaches and go to a secluded beach or, or go somewhere and you know, you want to have your own beach. But if, if you have kids and you haven't grown up in the ocean, it is imperative that you find a guarded beach and go to it. There's a reason guarded beaches are busier and because it there's it's it's a safer place. Um, the EMS system is closer to you in the event that you get into any type of trouble. You know, when when you look at our section of coast up here where it's you're secluded. from up in Oregon, if you, yeah, and if you drive 30 minutes out of town and go to the beach and get into trouble, you're talking about uh, helo response. You're talking about cell phone coverage. You might not have cell reception to even call 911. And then when you do get through or if you get through, everybody's extended. Everybody, you know, and so all of a sudden, you're, you know, minutes matter, seconds and that's, matter. That's why that work. one, and, you know, even yours too, like that one was so gnarly because it's a secluded area. It really is. So even that circumstance right there, you're lucky. That person is so lucky that she survived. Yeah. This family had moved to the area uh, fairly recently when this happened, um, had never been to that beach, went down there just to walk the dog on the beach, didn't know the swell was going to be big. Um, you know, it's... and. And this is a scenario since this particular case has played out, God, man, I, I want to say seven or eight other times. And most of those other times have not been as lucky. Um, we've had a we've had a challenging couple of years. Uh, a lot of kids have lost their lives on our beaches. And we're working with our sheriff's partners. We're working with fire to bring awareness to the dangers that are on these beaches that are more secluded and trying to get signage up. But, you know, they, there's really, outside of having interactions with people, it's hard to really get that message out there because there's signs everywhere. Everywhere you go, it, there's a sign that says, you know, don't swim here, swim here, it, whatever they say. And people become sign numb, so to speak. They don't even read the signs. They just walk past them. And, you know, as a county, we're, we are working constantly to educate people to to put stuff in the newspaper to say hey 
today's not a great day to go to the beach, you know, and pay attention. Hopefully we can save a few. Yeah. I mean, it's, you just, and, and again, if you are a family that takes a vacation to a beach, go to a guarded beach. If you go to an unguarded beach, stay away from the high tide line, you know, look at the water there, enjoy it, you know, but if it's not completely Flat. flat, calm, don't go in the water. And by flat, I mean, if it looks like a lake, that's perfect. <laughs> maybe that's yeah. safer. But even still, yeah. I personally wouldn't say go in the water because you and I have been at beaches that are flat calm and you go 10 feet out and there's a side shore rip that's ripping 20 knots down the beach and you just get sucked around a corner and then you're stuck, isolated. I mean, if you, even if you get back to the beach, right? I mean, it's uh, I can't stress it enough. Dude, you know? well, I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. And um, what a story. Thank you for coming on again. I mean, I, I was stoked out to, to hear about that story too. I mean, I'm a waterman, so I wanted to hear about it. And I really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, no worries. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Um, super stoked and uh, love Salt Life, man. Thanks for, for having me and for those guys putting it on and putting it out there on their channel. Do you guys only have this Instagram, Instagram the, the buggy whip kids? Uh, yeah, that's the, the kids page. And I did that because I finally got them hooked up with salt life a while back. I have so my this, own you guys got to follow this one. His groms are frothers. His kids are taken after him. Um, and then you, they you have, have an Instagram too, right? They're, they're, yeah, I have uh Jake Walding, J A C and then Walding W A L D is in David I N G. So W A L D I N G. Um, that's a private one. And I, I definitely let people into it. I just, uh, I, I screen everybody because it's a personal and I'm, page. I'm and sure anybody listening in right now, if they have any questions for myself or Jacob here, like in regards to the water, the ocean safety, hit us up. We will talk to you guys about it. Um, it's a huge topic that we love to share about. I mean, we just had a 45 minute conversation about an amazing rescue. That's, you know, career rescue in my mind. If I, if I had that rescue to be a career rescue, but um, yeah, dude, I, I'm, I'm sure you're happy with people talking to you about water safety and stuff too. Oh, absolutely. It hit me up. You know, a, a lot of the, the salt life, uh, family that's, it, you know, the, the company is to grow. It's a family. And, yeah. And, and, you know, for you and I, anybody that's in the immediate family, hit us anytime. up anytime. I mean, we'll give you our phone numbers. We'll talk to you on the phone. Like you're going somewhere you're not familiar with. We'll give you things to look out for. And then any of the, the, the just fans of salt life, you know, hit us up on Instagram, ask us questions, you know, guys like myself and Kieran, we don't actually have to necessarily be at the beach or have ever stood there. We can actually, uh, you know, look at different situations or know sections of coast and say, okay, just make sure you're at a guarded beach. We can give you tips to stay and safe. And it's really important. And I'm stoked that Salt Life is putting podcasts out there like this. Because this is uh, important. this is close yeah. to our hearts, you know. This is what we do, you know. Try to mitigate death on you know public beaches that are beautiful, you know. Well, thank you again for coming on, and thank you everybody for listening in. Uh, we'll catch you soon, Jacob, and uh, we'll catch everybody else on Above and Below Soul Life Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Karen. Awesome. Keep up the good work, and uh, have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.